Welcome, everybody. This is Lost Arts Radio Live. I'm Richard Sachs, and this is a show that we started relating to current events in the world, which are moving along very rapidly right now, and I was hoping that we could get a continuation this Saturday, which is the U.S. time. This is Saturday afternoon uh, with our guest, Dr. Michael Christian, for two reasons, although always like to have him on, but the two particular reasons this time were that he had mentioned having some positive results with damage from the uh, COVID injection, which there are millions of people that are going to be really interested in that. And the other thing is just his country and particular region of the country in Melbourne, Australia, is leading the way right now as a testing ground for what the controllers want the rest of society to follow. And so it'd be nice to have an update on how things are going there. And I, as we said in the show we just finished, um, I don't think it's too late for people to wake up, not just to the mass noncompliance that David Icke and Chris Guy and others have correctly mentioned is essential, nonviolently other than for self-defense, but um, also for the consciousness change that has to happen that would result automatically in non-compliance. Because if people become self-aware, other than, you know, the image that we're supposed to believe is us, of the helpless, unintelligent, weak beings that are, are just dependent on experts to live our lives, if we realize who we actually are, we can't go along with suicidal or damaging orders in any form. I mean, it's not really even a decision. We just can't do it. And it's not because of belief. It's because when you're told to do something and you realize it's illegal in the real sense, immoral, against life, you may have to deal with consequences, but you can't do the action. And it makes things a lot simpler in a way. And so that consciousness has to emerge, and it's definitely not too late to have that happen. So this could be very interesting. And if anybody really wants to add a comment or question that you want us to consider live during this short live stream, uh, we'll probably have time to do a little bit of that too. So um, it's wide open for your input. And welcome, Dr. Christian. I'm really grateful that you're with us again. Thank you. Should good be an interesting you, conversation. Very good uh, to see you. <clears throat> so, so let's start in the beginning from last Last Saturday for us, last Sunday for you, we, we were talking about people coming into your office, and this is a, a vision correction and vision care office primarily. But mm-hmm. since ev- every part of the body is cor- connected to every other part, and all the physical parts are connected to consciousness levels, uh, you were actually being able to help people that were damaged by the uh, the shots that they're getting. And we didn't have time to really look at that. So anything that you wanted to share from that experience would be really interesting. Thank you. Look, it's it's fascinating in as much that um, we, in our medical approach, have been looking at things more from a material-based way of thinking. And look, that's all very honorable. But we also have to look at things from an energetic perspective too. And... The unseen is very powerful. Now, just to put that in simple terms, when a current goes through a wire, it forms a field around it. We don't see the field. We too are beings, they're electromagnetic. 
I would have mentioned last time that there's a 1.4 volt potential difference between inside and out of the cells, and we have 50 trillion of them thereabouts. So we're a 70 trillion volt battery if we're fully, you know, uh, loaded up in the best of ways. But the thing is, is because there's so many interactions going on physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. And the thing is, we've got different levels of consciousness. Consciousness of the physical being. Does that leg move correctly? Can I turn my eyes in the right direction? All of those things. And th some of these things, are, well, a lot of these things are involuntary actions based on sentience of what we're taking in. So there's great input and there's great output. But we are really beings of light. And we, when we look at light, light is both particle and wave. And people talk about it as a duality. I look at it more as a complementarity, so we don't separate the two from each other. But rather they're in flux with each other. And I look at it flux in two ways, either a positive flux or a stable flux where the interrelationship between the particle and the wave is in coherent flow. Or there is a negative flux where everything is becoming um, chaotic. But the thing is, is that if particle and wave in relationship to being the cornerstone come the energetic are in superposition, or even taking that further quantum position, we create mass, we create field. And that mass in terms of our physical being is anatomy, in terms of its motion, its physiology, both on the macro and the micro level, what we are seeing and what we're not seeing. We're not looking at or observing different parts of cell organelles inside our body as we're talking with each other, but we can visualize them in our mind's eye based on apparatus that we've been able to create over the years, whether it's electron microscopy or even various fancy forms of high-pressure liquid chromatography to isolate various molecules and stuff. Now, what's been very interesting for me over the years is looking at the energetics between the unseen, the field, which is the light, and what is seen, the body. Now, as you mentioned before, Richard, you know, everything is connected up. You know, I remember my mother, she was a, she was a, a registered nurse, and she told me about the hip bone connected to the thigh bone, but it goes far beyond that. When we think in terms of the quantum realm of things, quantum physics deals with consciousness. And we tend to think that subatomic particles, muons, leptons, mesons, and they form particles, and we've got quarks, and they are all part of it. And then that goes up into atoms, and then that goes into molecules, and then that goes up higher into organelles or structures or stones or rocks or whatever. And, and it just forms from a physical basis. But from the other way, the downward causation from quantum field, the realm where infinite possibility is with directive, that instead of looking at particles as being the ground of our being, but rather consciousness is the ground of our being, things you can take a totally different perspective because your way of observing things is going to affect what the outcome is. Because if you observe things by not just observing them as a passive bystander, but as an active participant, you're going to affect things and they're going to affect you. So there's going to be that flux. Now, coming back to the particle wave aspect of things, 
I trained as an optometrist. I graduated at the end of 1993. But I've always been interested, how does vision connect up with mind and how does it connect up with body? Vision, mind and body. And over many years of observation, listening to patients, what their comments were, question and answer, things would come up which would think, wow, that's staggering. There is connection. So the locality of the visual system in relationship to the posture, the balance, the movement, the thoughts, the feelings, etc., are all connected. So I look at as one level of being an optometrist, but yet at the same time a photosomatic physician, meaning light, body, interaction. When that happens, things change and they flow. And what does flow mean? It means that there's a balance between stillness of being, hence the structure, the anatomy, and the dynamic of doing, the motion. So where motion and stillness meet, I call this holokinesis, holographic kinetics. In other words, in our typical Newtonian way of thinking, we think of kinetic energy and potential energy, all valid. But what's the interconnection? When you see a, a runner, whether it's Hussein Bolt, and you see his torso being totally still, but his arms and legs are in that perfect motion, but that torso is in t total stillness, even though he's running like a bolt. That stillness is both a springboard and a shock absorber, but it is also the template from which he can make his motions. And he does it with just absolute grace, for want of a better word of saying this. That being said, when we look at unease, disease, and disease states, what actually happens? There's a mismatch between the motion, whether it's a biochemical response, whether it's a saltatory conduction, in other words, action potentials along nerves, are stopped whether from Schwann cell demyelation in uh, multiple sclerosis. But when there is the ease, because as practitioners, we're focused on disease and we look at disease and we look at what else could it be? Could it be this? Could it be that? Differential diagnosis and the like, all valid. But what about looking at ease? And that is functional dynamics. So, in the very early days of practice, I remember one lady, and I told her, could you put your head back? Oh, no, no, I can't do that. I said, why not? Oh, I'm going to fall backwards. And I knew at that particular time, just in what understanding I had at that particular time, not just with lenses, but prisms. Prisms can realign spatial context. And what that means is, is that they can change position and space from what you're looking at to where you're looking at it. So my commentary is this, when, timing, what, the detail, where, the context are in phase or connected, then, that is the directive of your timing, how you go about doing things, both conscious and subconscious, then how the quality of what's going to happen takes place. So in this lady, when she turned her head back, she was about to drop back, I put a prism in, which is a base-up prism, which would bring the image down. So when she turned, pulled her head back, she didn't feel she was going to fall back. She felt very stable. She said, she looked at me, Michael, that's incredible. What did you do? I said, put a prism in. Do you have a sample of one of those prisms anywhere within reach at the moment? I don't at the moment, but let's, let's just think of a triangle 
and an apex. Now, the apex yeah. and the triangle, so there's the base and there's the triangle. There's the apex. The image gets directed more to the apex rather than the other way around. So what I want to say with that is, is that when you direct, say, say a hand here, you see the base of my hand right there, mm -hmm. and that, that point of my fingers, say that's the apex. Now, even your hand is like a form of a prism where you direct it, what you're going to do. It might sound funny, but it is. It's true because you apply manually or writing or on the computer or whatever. It's an application. It's going in the direction of the apex. So we have various orientations of where prism can be put, base down, base up, base out, base in. Of course, they are so fine that that the, the only thing the person can notice is the shift in position of space or their body changes to a different position. As, and they're even surprised by that because they're not expecting a little window pane to be able to change things in a physical sense. Let But me give you a, a, a piece of feedback and see if it's accurate. Just because I, I know we've got people listening and who will be listening who may not have the technical familiarity with some of what you're talking about and I want to make sure they get it in simple terms and so I think one of the one of the first things is people we've all been trained to think in terms of specialization so when people say all right you don't feel good you should go to the doctor right we've been trained that first of all you know other than to try to see what you can do for yourself you go to the doctor and you choose the doctor by the specialty So you go to an eye doctor or an optometrist, as you said, if there's something wrong with your vision or your eyes. You go to, uh, I don't know what doctor would deal with balance, but some specialist in movement for that. A neurologist. Uh, a neurologist. ENT oh, specialist. Ear, nose, ear, nose, and throat oh, specialist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, is that because the balance sense is inside your ear primarily? That of they course, say that? because you have... You have Four to five centimeters behind, sorry, nine inches, say, say two and a half inches behind the eyes are the yeah. vestibular apparati. And the, the major nerve is the eighth vestibular nerve, cochlear vestibular nerve. That has input from the hearing and that has input for balance. And then you have the semilunar canals and you have the utricles and basically how you rotate or up, down, or side to side. So the ear, nose, and throat specialist is the only one who is authorized to know well, about that those. Well, or, or a neuro-ophthalmologist, as an example, okay. so, who specializes in the neuro, neurological aspects of things. Right. But, what is, but the, what but is, the point is that you only go to the specialist that is about mm. the specific part of the body where you're aware of something happening. And what you're doing that's different is you're seeing yourself as a doctor, a holistic doctor, mm -hmm. interested in healing the whole system, not even just the whole body, but the whole organism, physical and all the other levels as well. And so what you've discovered from your starting point as a, officially an optoma, optometrist is mm -hmm. that not only are all these things connected, but you can use anything, for example, optometry, to change all the other things. And so you have these uh, glass tools called prisms, glass or plastic, I'm not sure what, 
probably glass. Glass primarily. And, glass primarily. Right. And when but you they hold get translated glass, into plastic lenses. Yeah, with they're, they're triangular Glasses. pieces of glass that are thicker at the base. And when yeah. you have people look through them, their whole proprioception or perception of their physical position in space changes. Correct. I think that you were talking about that, right? Correct. Okay. Now, I look at prisms, thank you, Richard. I look at prisms as they're amazing tools. They're so simple. But they can affect space and time. Uh, they're a spatial translocator, so they change the position in space, whether up, down, side to side, or obliquely, or acutely, what have you. But they're also a phase flow modulator. And phase flow modulator meaning how that light comes in at the speed of light, how it's refracted, and is it changing the speed at which it gets taken up as input, and hence sensorially taken up by the brain, etc. So the various types of physiological activities can take place. So you're talking about this lady that was unbalanced and was afraid of putting her head back because she felt that she would fall backwards. Correct. So when you held the glass up, prism up in front of her eye, or she did, that unbalance went away temporarily, right? Correct. Well, and once it was prescribed, she could walk around with her head up and not feel as though she was going to fall back. And And prescribed means you gave her glasses made like that prism. Correct. So right. whatever her optical prescription, which I can't remember, it's many, many years back. But at the same time, that slight amount of prism, and they look totally normal, the glasses. It's just that the glasses have a typical, what we call a meniscus, like on the, when you take a glass of water, you see the meniscus on the side. Right. But these are meniscus lenses, and there's just that little bit more extra base prism in the particular position, but that relocates the position of space relative to what is being looked at. What happens when that lady takes her glasses off? That's a good question. Initially, she may be in a state of disorientation, or depending upon how well this is taken up, she might even start feeling more of a stability in her own system. Because what we're doing essentially is not to force the system, but rather to support the system. Because if you force the system, it may work initially, but then after a while, Newton's third law, you're going to have an equal and opposite reaction. So this is why I talk about flow dynamics. Now, coming back to the locality of the eyes, obviously people want to see, we all do. But how does that affect your posture, which we're just discussing about? How does it affect your movement, as we've been talking about? We, We... If this, if the so-called initial conditions are set up correctly, you're more in a state of poise to observe, but when you're ready, up and go and do things. Now, these are local, but in terms of the field, the energetic field, this is what's called non-locality. Now, Rupert Sheldrake in 1981 or, or that time did his PhD at Cambridge University in the UK, and he talked about morphogenetic fields. Now, let's talk about the physical body. What's, and I said from the outset, we're talking about fields around us because we're electromagnetic in that sense. Now, that morphogenetic field that he's talking about, or what may be in Eastern terms called the vital body, has the blueprints of all the organ structures. Now, if that field is in, a position, 
not opposition, because the opposition is when there is a mismatch, then it's like this. But if it's in opposition, then it's like this. They connect up with each other. So field becomes coherent with physiology, becomes one and one with. And so what my approach is, is obviously people want to see, they want to be able to see visual acuity, but I also look at how do we get the field, the energetic field, coherent, so posture, balance, movement, thoughts, feelings, emotions, everything starts to self-align because if that field can be focused, that's when things can change. And okay. it's fascinating because Einstein in relativity said this over 100 years ago. The sole governing agency is the field that affects the atom. As I've said before, the privilege is to focus the field, you can focus the body, the physiology. And so in relationship to this, that field is not near like how we look at things, A plus B equals C. It's multidimensional. We're just tapping into something. We're, let, let's say it like this. If we're, if we're learning to observe, then it's going to show its treasures towards us. But if we go in with a state of, I got this, I know this, everything, because things can change whilst we're going along. Like, I've had situations where I'm following a flow of changing lenses and prisms in a particular person. Then all of a sudden, that person says to me, I can't see. Doctor, I can't see. And, and then I try to modulate it. No, I can't see. I have to totally unload and onload. That person has come to the end of an habituation. And, we, and it was very dramatic, so what I would, might call an optical crisis. But it's not a crisis, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? But rather, okay, we have to take away all that which was the normal support for them and put, it in, uh, put in a new support dynamic. Now, that's not the norm, but it's happened to me about three or four times in my practice. But I've known what to do, so to speak, once I'm thinking, uh -huh, this person's totally come to the end of the road with this way of holding pattern. Right. If we can start changing the patterns, even though that may be a dramatic stop, but then once that happens, invariably, and I say this invariably, the prescription that goes back in is lower, it's better, it's more open, it's more clear, it's more relaxed, it's more prompt. And that person says, wow, what happened there? I said that was the end of the story for that, and we had a, what we call a discontinuous sleep with a quantum jump to something right. totally different, and okay. they're in a totally different space and time. So my now, question about that is that so far what we're talking about is people are coming in, like the lady you mentioned, and there's a problem that they perceive with their vision that could be connected to balance or other things, but they know it's connected to vision. How did you come across finding that you could have a positive effect uh, from injected poisons in the body? Okay. Here's the comment. Greater that which is unseen than that which is seen. You think of the electromagnetic spectrum between 370 to 770 nanometers and all those transverse waves all in between from radio waves to cosmic waves we're only seeing this bit what is all around this bit in that small area that is supportive of all these other waves in that electromagnetic spectrum of 
what we perceive as color, or the range from ultraviolet right through to infrared. Okay? So the unseen, if we tap into the unseen, even though we don't see it, but it is complementary to the scene. That's why I said it's not in opposition, it's in opposition. Now, you might say, okay, we're traveling blind here. No, we're not. We're feeling our way through. Feeling is a form of focus. Feeling in the true sense of the word. And people say, oh, don't feel, that's silly. Uh, 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 uh. We have to because that's part of our makeup. We can't deny it. But feeling is to observe it and not push it, but support it, particularly when there's a distress and bring back an ease towards that person because they can feel in their body either their heart is racing or um, they feel very heavy in their stature or they're just they're fuzzy-headed, as many people may say. They can't think straight, what have you. Now, coming back to this particular person where she had had one um, injection of AstraZeneca. What did she, she come came, for? What, did she, what was she coming into the office for? Well, she was coming in primarily because her vision had started to, as normal colloquial speeches, deteriorate, or so she thought, because she since, couldn't see correctly. Particularly since the injection or just in general? Particularly since the injection in her case. Okay. And the, the point was, was that she was very upset. She, I said, what's the matter? She said, oh, I've had this, uh, this jab. And I said, mm-hmm. And she said that I really feel terrible. Um, I've been to my general practitioner and I said to her, well, I asked the various questions because I'm also an integrated medicine doctor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, okay, so have you had a D-dimer test? And she said, yes, I have actually. So that's looking at the microemboli because MRIs and CAT scans can't determine that. And it was at a relatively low level of 45. And, um, but at that time, that was the first time she came at that time. Um, she could not walk five kilometers anymore. She could only walk a kilometer. And uh, just, just to I, clarify, the D-dimer test is for mic- microscopic blood clots primarily. That's right. And, yes, exactly. And there was a doctor in Canada that found that 82% of the people that had gotten this injection had a reading on D-dimer that said they were full of these microscopic blood clots. That's right. Now, did she fall in the category of having those or not? She was right on the cusp at that particular okay. time. Okay, okay. got it. Um, now, she went, after I did the work, which I did, and I'm just I'm fast-forwarding now, she went to a chiropractor and she said, gee, I feel so much better, everything's going so much easier. Um, I don't know what Michael did, but what I can say from my appreciation of what I can understand to date we and even though there were things that were wrong in her, but far outweighing that was her energetic field that could jump in and affect the physiology right. so much better, so much the more so that she was able to walk easily, was able to breathe in fully, not feeling compromised in pulmonary or a breath breath function, and consequently, she walked out of the office with a big smile on her face, but then something else mm-hmm. happened just recently. And she comes back in again, and she says, oh, Michael, I'm worse than ever. I said, okay, have you had another further D-dimer? She said, yeah, it's gone up 10, 10. Okay. 
Now, this is where it really gets interesting. At that time, what I did for her initially was to focus her, her, she was coming back because she wanted a dispense of her glasses. Now, something went wrong with that. The wrong lens shape was made, and so but at the same, I saw she was in distress, so I wanted to help her. And so I put back all the lenses and prisms that were according to her prescription, and I started trying to move those in and out, and nothing changed. I thought, wow, this lady isn't, this, nothing's going to move. Now, over the last three or four years, I've developed a process of which I call the focus of potentiality. Now, what the focus of potentiality as opposed to the focus of actuality, to put it in simple context, actuality is we're focusing the eyes so they can see, obvious. But the potentiality is the focusing of the field, as I call it. And then depending upon the movements of the body, I ask the various movement processes. And then, accordingly, I started making up a particular type of prescription that was transient, that is. That is to tap into the, into the field that that could reflect back into the body. So I loaded her up with a very high plus prescription. Now, usually people have plus lenses of plus two or three or not very much more, but I was loading her right up to the equivalent of plus 95 or 96 around that time. Now, you think that's crazy. Yes, it is in terms of seeing. You can't see. It's just totally blurred. That's a but huge ma magnification, basically, right? It's a huge magnification. No one can see. So you've got these tubes in front of you with lenses all loaded up in front. And, and I'm counterbalancing it with the weight because otherwise the thing is going to drop off. And, but the, the conundrum of this is, is that although it got heavier on her face, she started feeling lighter in her energy field. She started breathing deeper. She started breathing more calmly. She started to feel the fullness. She said, I'm starting to get movements I can't, I've never had for a long time, etc." So what I'm saying is, is that in that particular instance, and everyone's treated individually, obviously, but in that particular instance, she made the connection back to the field. That field was not in separation to her, but that field came back into coherence. And she said, Michael, you're a magician. I said, no, 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 no. You're t even though you're in distress, what happened is, is that we brought the field to you so that you, your consciousness could take that and know what to do with it. Even though consciously you don't know what to do with it. It's like, we're fortunate if we can think of 40 to 60 bits of information per second consciously, but on a subconscious level, there's 400 billion plus bits or even much who knows. That's just a, right. a guesstimate. Even though, you know, people like um, Joe Dispenza or Greg Braden may say these things, but that's all good. But they're just wanting to put into context how massively more powerful that field is. And this is what I'm wanting to bring forward to the viewers. We're made to believe that we're just flesh and blood and sinew. And, and maybe you have a soul or you have a spirit or whatever. We are phenomenal if we really look at ourselves in the true sense that, that is now we may not be able to see that field but if that field is acknowledged and that is allowed 
And when I use that word allow, I look at the old French word allouant, 14th century, to uphold, to honour, to esteem. If we esteem that field, albeit we're not thinking about that in our daily activities, we're getting on with life. But if that field is phase coherent with our physiology, your system starts coming together. So if we focus the field, we can focus the body. And if that body feels so much better, it's going to be able to do things. Now, coming back to the microemboli, I didn't have a test. I didn't have a D done a test to set, see whether or not that had changed or not. But just to put it into context, many years ago, there, there are people who are coming to me and they had terrible fibromyalgia. Now, fibromyalgia, for some people and some of the viewers may have it, it's, it's very debilitating on all different levels. But that fibromyalgia is an HLA antigen 27 um, genetically predisposed. Now, I had one particular person, and I'll never forget this. I said, can you rotate your head? And she rotated that far. And I said, now the other way. And she rotated that far. One prism, one slight little prism I put in, and she moved it like that, and she looked, what did you do? Now, she had been fully diagnosed, and, and yes, yes, it was. What did I do? Did the field, I didn't know this at the time, but did the field switch off the gene? Who knows? I don't know, and I'm not going to pretend. But what I do say is, is that if we are working with light, and that's why I talk about the, the work that I do, it is quantum holographic, meaning conscious coherence. If we are working at light and it is presented in the coherent manner, it will literally work at light speed. Now, I'm not okay, saying so. everything's all going to change at once, but what I can say, and particularly now, because now I'm starting to do um, teleconsultations overseas, I'm not putting lenses and prisms in front of people, but I'm right. seeing things happen in people which are absolutely, for want of a better word, outstanding. Okay. What so. is outstanding? It's the simplicity of of coherence that connects with the complexity of the body and the body knows what to do. Anyway, we'll go into that after. Sorry, Richard, I interrupted what you were going to. That's okay. I just, uh, unfortunately, we have, you know, a limited amount of time. So what I'm trying to, to focus us toward is there are, there's some people now, and there's probably going to be huge numbers later that are realizing mm -hmm they got something through the injection that is gradually destroying their physical body and maybe more. And what can they do? Uh, the ones that are still able to function, they're going to be looking for the answer for that. Even if, you know, what you've said so far is that you found a connection through vision, that by manipulating the, the lenses that someone is looking through, the, in glasses or just hold up the lens in the shape of a prism that everything about their body changes because something about the vision changes their perception on a different non-physical level mm -hmm. and I, I can see how with individual patients that come to see you like like the one that you mentioned in particular even though they'd had the injection and since that they were feeling worse and worse you turned that around and yeah. um you know, before I ask you the question, I want to say, how long has it been since that lady was in your office? Uh, 
the first time was about two weeks ago. The second time was about four days ago. But she is, from what I gather, is doing exceptionally well. But there's okay. another person who's a friend of mine. He's had a double dose, as is what yes. is being brought forward here. Um, and he puffed up. He had lymphatic edema. Everything was a terrible pain in his head. And I gave him his particular glasses, and then I started doing work on him. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I sensed that that would all start coming down within the afternoon. And he felt that there were like creepy crawlies all around his face. That was right. the best way he described it. And I contacted him and I said, how's it going? And he said, oh, it's calming right down. It's calm right down. It's okay. Better. I have headaches. I have no pain. My neck is fine now. There's nothing. So that was done within the scope of half an hour in the office. That that's sounds what really I'm saying. Good. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I want to make this very, very clear to people. I don't treat problems, which might sound very funny. I redirect process. Your bodies know what to do if they're given the right information, how to do it. We cannot right. push this. We cannot force this. We can't vaunt this. There's no trickery. There's no, but it, there's no magic. It's majestic for one of a better way to say it. it's amazing because people in the moment experience it and they're, they're taken away by it. And what now, you're doing is bringing the energy field back to a normal state, right? And then the, then the body heals whatever has to be healed. Correct. So there are two classes of people that would want to know more about that. One is people interested in individual distance appointments with you, which we could talk about what you do when you can't do stuff with, you know, physical lenses that you're having. Correct. And the other is people in larger numbers that start to wake up to the effects of the injection and realize it never had anything to do with preventing disease. It can't do that at all. But it's just about poisoning people. And if large numbers start to realize that, then what's needed is something that they can all do at home, you know, without right. it, because you can't take a million appointments. And, and so those, those, those two categories in well, 10 or 15 minutes we should look at. Okay, we can discuss that because I've been thinking about this too, Richard. It's very pertinent. The individual is one thing, but the group or the community of sufferers is another thing. Two. Right. Let's right. go with the first, and then we'll go yes. to the latter. Right. The first is like this. Um, I've had two amazing patients this week. One was up about oh, one and a half thousand kilometers north of where I'm living, and so okay. of course, because of border closures, she couldn't come. But right. When I first saw her, and I've seen her before, um, she was on screen like this. She was very pale. She was tick. She was moving her head like this. You know. And she hadn't had the shot, by the way. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that she was in great distress. And so there was mental, emotional issues that were all mismatched. The point was, I got her first to breathe. Now, breathing is very amazing. But breath is most misunderstood. You know, it's either looked at on a Western way or an Eastern way. Look, it's all mm -hmm. one, really. We need to look at this, that breath is the interface between physical and energetic, where the the physical is the structure and the energetic is the realm of infinite possibility, but the breath is the flow. But if we can get that tripartite, the tri, tri, how do I say this? 
those three parts together in the state of phase, yeah. the body will start to reorganize itself. So this particular person who I'm talking about, I got her to breathe and I said, all right, which is better as far as the breath is concerned? Was it better in or out? And then she told me whichever way, I can't remember that, doesn't matter. Then I got her to hold her hand in a certain manner. And uh -huh. I look, I'm cramped for space here, but that doesn't matter. And then I got her to hold her other hand in another matter. But in such a way that we connected up the structure in the physical with the, with the energetic, and then the breath started to get deeper, quieter, slower, and more regular. And all of a sudden, she felt a rush go through her. Not that I'm looking for that. I'm just wanting to discover with her what is changing without pushing, without forcing, but allowing as I come back and, to that And word. for that to work, you have to get the patient to tune into how things feel. Correct. Right. And, we, and one needs to be very patient. But <clears throat> patient, this right. is the conundrum, the quantum conundrum. Patient works at light speed when we're on the level. The curve's flat. I'll say it that way. When we're on the level, we are talking with each other. We're connecting with each other. There is that conscious coherence. Now, this particular patient has been suffering from peripheral neuropathy. She hasn't been able to feel her feet or hands or everything like that. And within the scope of that hour and a half, her feet came back. They were being perfused. She felt them. She could wriggle her toes. Her fingers started to move. Everything started to happen. Her, her face, the perfusion was beautiful. She was not shaking around like this anymore. She was just looking at me. She said, Michael, this is, I said, you're amazing. So you were you were lead, leading her through breathing exercises and movement exercises that tuned in correct. her consciousness to allow the body and, to heal it. Correct. And what I talk about holokinetic potentiation means having over many years observed what hand movements, what body movements affect the posture, the balance, the movement, but how that affects the field. Once that is brought into right coherence, then the body itself, physically, mentally, emotionally, energetically, spiritually, the whole lot. Spiritus is the Latin word for breath, by the way. And mm -hmm. so then everything self-regulates. It pro-regulates, not just re-regulates. It pro, it goes forward. It's not stuck in the holding you know, habituation. would be really interesting to see what the effect on a physical level was microscopically to these yes. exercises that you're leading people through. And uh, it's kind of hard to I track I totally that. agree. It, it right. would be wonderful to do research with people to be able to do that. Look, I've, I've, had the, I've had the privilege of creating this field, but it, now it's at the level that it's ready to be taught, but in such a manner that it has multidisciplinary aspects where what you were saying to see how does that affect even blood analysis or how does that affect... All right. Well, and physical things in the blood. For, for example, well, once people have been injected and they have these various components flowing in the system, which have been detected, you know, in the brain and different organs, uh, for a while they were trying to purvey this nonsense that it, all the yeah. toxins stay at the injection site. I mean, that's yeah. totally ridiculous. Yeah. Every, anybody would know that's not true. So now that they've shown, yeah, we found them in all these different organs. And then you go through the exercises with somebody that you're talking about. The average person would, would probably say, there's no way that could affect the physical 
ingredients that have been injected into the body, but you're saying that's not necessarily true. The average person, and let's let's not use that as a derogatory term. I'm not saying you were though. No, I'm happy to be in most people. Low average I can tell you this. No, no, <laughs> sorry. The, the average person, say Joe Bloggs walks in, yeah, he will be surprised because he's not being pushed around. He's being supported to be, and right. that will free, and he will show his glee. I'm praying now, but what it means is, is that say for example, another gentleman, he's in his mid seventies, and the next thing you know. He comes in, his wife's all upset because his BP has gone right up, blood pressure. He was almost over 201 and, and 140, he's diastolic. And the whole situation, I took him through a whole bunch of exercises and you could see how he just changed. He just became more coherent. And that's, so and, so would know, that indicate that the high blood pressure was partially because of a tension that he was carrying all the time? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how long and, would that relaxed state last after the appointment? Oh, it stayed with him. And that's over a year ago because I know these people very well. And he's, he's, he's fine. Terry's, Terry's amazing. Well, that, that's pretty And what happened is that right at the end, I, I had a speak moment. I'm going to do it. And I put it on. Okay, Terry, let's measure up. And, um, and then, okay, then we looked at his systolic diastolic and he was 147 over 74. <laughs> we just laughed. And he was just the biggest smile circle on his face came, which was just so beautiful. He what was happens? fine. That's that idiopathic hypertension. He re-regulated, pro-regulated. He went for what happens Sorry, to people Richard. who come into this approach with a typical eye pro problem like glaucoma, severe glaucoma that's getting worse? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what, what would happen with this approach with that kind of a, a vision or eye pro, actual physiological eye problem? Okay, so I come back to this aspect of, uh, let me say it in these terms, because um, there are certain proscribed ways of treating glaucoma with medications and also with laser, gag laser, yeah, um, yeah. iridotomies, etc. Et yeah, um, right. My approach is, as I say, I don't treat the problem. Although I acknowledge it, we diagnose it, but what I do is look at what everything, because now glaucoma is looked on more as a microvascular disorder. And so right. there are various medications, whether beta blockers, etc., which are used for those things. But I look at it as, okay, how do we allow, from a functional dynamic, relax the extraocular muscles, intraocular muscles? How do we do that so that the perfusion of blood is going to start coming through much better? We can treat the problem, but at the same time, let's support the process. And right. I've had In other words, people, the, body, the body is the best one to treat the problem, is what you're saying, right? So once what, people what would allow it to do that? Once the right directive is given. But of course, a lot of people come in with a state of fear, and that's understandable mm-hmm. because they feel they're going to lose their sight. And, but once we can transmute that fear into trust, then, and they're seeing the results, and they go back to their ophthalmologist, and the ophthalmologist says, gee, the pressure's down, or, wow, that field has got bigger. And some have come back and told me, Michael, I don't know what's happened, but my ophthalmologist is scratching his head. He says, you don't have glaucoma anymore. That's not everyone I'm saying, but that's happened to various yeah. people over the years. And, and there's, and there's no, da- no downside because since you're not taking a symptomatic approach, you're not giving them toxic drugs. 
no, I'm not giving them any medication. Their ophthalmologists are giving them medication, but I'm supporting their system in a dynamic, physiolo physiological, electromagnetic, come whatever else there is, in as much as I say, when it's quantum holographic, everything is in the mix, but it is okay. in coherence. But in a coherence that is easy to entreat, not forced, not shoved, not pushed, not coerced, just is and does. And when it does, they're in a much better state of being and their abilities to do things is so much easier. But I was going to also answer the other thing because I know we're running out of time. We are. You know, and, when and, and just before we do the other thing, if people are interested in trying to have a distance appointment with you, how do they do that? Well, they can contact us via the website, which you may have put up, www.microprismoptics.com.au. And okay. then our staff would be able to set up particular times, rather either through Zoom or whatever uh, okay. medium they would wish to go through, or Skype or what have you. And then and you're open to working be, with somebody's eye doctor, or also somebody's local yes, eye yes, of course. Look, I want, even though my work is standalone, but I work integratively with other people. I'm not saying, uh, I'm, I want people to feel comfortable in the approaches and that there can be feedback and that things can happen. Like right. there was one particular ophthalmologist who tried to take the mickey out of me all the time because he, he just couldn't get what I was doing. But then we shared a patient at one particular time and it blew him away because he thought, well, I don't know what he's done, but it's working. So it's, it takes time to develop relationships sometimes with people. Yeah. But at the same time, more importantly, what are we doing this for? To serve one another, to right. uphold one another, to see a better quality of life for each other. So well, and right, right now, to, to find a doctor who knows what he's talking about, who understands why you don't narrow in and treat a symptom in a way that's going to make everything worse over time and it just feels better for the moment, um, that's incredibly valuable. And, you know, you're setting an example for other doctors as far as being uh, what's really a holistic approach, and that term is not always understood but now since our time is so short i want to go to the other question and then okay, people can so get I'm, in touch with you if they want to know more that's good so what we can do is group work and we can get group work together and i did this at a kinesiological association a whole bunch of kinesiologists turned up um this was two or three years ago at their main convention and i got invited to give a speech and I just gave about 15-minute speech, and then I gave a demonstration. I got someone out the front, and most people were upset because they weren't being – I said, you're all part of this. You've got, you're going to be observing. You've got all these different skills that you have, and I want you to follow with me and go with the various motions that I deal with you. It was amazing, Richard, to say the least. There were people in there who put their hands up at the end saying, um, Dr. Michael, uh, you're, I, I've never been able to see – binocularly, my both two of my eyes are working together right now. This was someone in the audience, not the person who I was working with, because we all became phase coherent. Another person, she was crying. She said, I can see out of this eye. I didn't know this was going to happen. Um, and it's a delight because these are the surprises that the quantum world show or the conscious world show to us because we're not trying to um, have a, a directed determinism. I'm working with open-ended protocols of non-determinism. In other words, we're engaging the flow, see what happens. There was what I call, uh, well, it's not what I call, but it, it's, it's quantum entanglement. Consciousness all started to connect up with each other. 
And people were having all these amazing experiences. Now, I'm not saying I'm the guru. I'm not. I'm just the witness or redirecting. Right. But they're showing me too because I have this statement, and that keeps the humility here. The doctor right. is patient as the patient teaches. And doctor in Latin right. means teacher. And as the teacher is patient, the patient will show you exactly. They will say the right things. You give the redirected cues, and all of a sudden, boom, it all connects. So if I understand your, your basic premise that you're working with is that the consciousness inside the body that flows through everybody is capable of healing anything better than any human could. And so what your work is, is to prepare the ground and the conditions to encourage that to flow with, without obstruction. And then let it let it see its potential because when people see the potential they won't be looking at the problem anymore they'll be looking at the possibilities we're using the problem as a springboard for possibilities rather than saying that's your problem that's heavy the energy is very heavy right but rather once we see the problem right yeah let's look at the problem as a springboard for possibility or let's look at the burden as a springboard for blessing for want of a better way of saying this when that happens People so will the, experience it. So the, the situation that, that may be the opportunity for something to be done here is that large numbers of people, I mean, not all of them, many will believe whatever happens to them after this injection is, oh, it's a new variant, you know, we need more injections. Mm-hmm. That's the obvious circular thinking. Mm-hmm. But there's some people that won't fall for that and will realize, wait a minute, this problem happened when you did the other thing to me and you're saying I should do it again to solve the problem and then it'll get worse. And they're saying we have a situation we got to deal with in a different way. And depending on how consciousness spreads, there could be large numbers. I mean, hopefully millions, which would still be a small percentage of the ones that need it. But same millions start to realize, wait a minute, this variant thing. They didn't even prove the existence of the original. How can they say anything about the variant? And they're testing it all with a bogus test. So there are no figures for any of it. It's all a scam. And they say, you know, it may be a scam, but once they inject it, that's real. And I don't feel so good. And all these things are happening. The symptoms of that vary widely, as you pointed out. And all these people say, who can help with this? And you're saying that your approach is one way that these large numbers could be helped. And when you mentioned a group meeting, I'm assuming you're talking about online platform like Zoom or something like that. So you could start off with a group of six or more, but not too many, obviously, because because as as we did with on the House of Briefs, now people (laughs) were in a state of distress of different forms, but the actual stillness that was experienced amongst everybody, and that was just for a five, ten minute process. That right. was amazing in itself. It set up the premise or set up the foundation to springboard for whatever if, each of those individuals wanted to do. But it wasn't based on uh, treating a problem. It was about bringing a form of meditation or becoming familiar with one's true self of consciousness. That's what right. that was about. So if the numbers get too overwhelming, can you make some kind of a video class that could be sent out to everybody who wants it? Yes, for self self healing. Yes, that could be done. Because they don't have Zoom platforms that'll take ten million participants that I know of. 
Even if you pay a lot. No. no. <laughs> 10 million people go that way. Right. <laughs> right. No. The jokes aside, um, it, it, look, this is where simplicity meets complexity, as I've said before. And the simplicity is the key. It's not stupid. It's absolutely awesome because yeah. it translates, it transmutes, it transcends, it transforms. And it's, it, and you see it. You can see how passionate and excited I am because I can't say this unless I've seen it myself. And the best right. way to do this is to experience it because theory is one thing. I'm a pracademic more than an academic. I'm not theorizing. I want the talk to become talk. I've said that before. If you I prefer say it, things that actually work. I want to see it happen. Otherwise, yeah. it's just talk. Right. Yeah, it sounds nice, Michael, but it's not happening. Rather than saying, wow. And, and then people will say, nah, hey, you're amazing too. Everyone's amazing. This right. was in Facebook just recently. You've got to say this. Someone said, who's the most famous person you've ever met? <laughs> and I just thought, oh, this is silly. I wrote on, and some put various names, Celine Dion, Frank Sinatra, whoever. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And I said, every one of you, but you don't know it yet. Every That's one right. of us are amazing. Every one of us are amazing, but if we get the ego out of the way, there's nothing wrong with the ego if it's driving from the esteem. But if we have the esteem, the presence of being, coherence, then the dynamic of doing is going to do itself and there's going to be so much more flow. What would you say to somebody who who objects that, well, this solid, physical, real substance was injected into me that's poisonous, how could the energy field do anything with that? Well, that's the point. It comes to a belief system. Like one could say, oh, what you're doing, Michael, is a placebo. Well, whether it is or not, but yeah, it's whether a person... If it was look, a placebo I, and it worked, that would be fine. Correct. Now, look, there's a gentleman, Mia Schneider. He is a natural vision specialist. This guy, he was born in Russia. He was born with congenital cataracts, glaucoma. They did, they did um, surgery. They were a mess. All he could see was shades of dark and light and so on like that. Now, this yeah. guy was a goner's. Now, let's put it into context. He was determined. So when they moved, when they went to Israel, went to Tel Aviv, he grew up and he told everybody he was going to see again. And everyone said, yeah, 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 that's not going to happen. He's done it. He's not only done it, he lives in Carlsbad, California. He's got a California driver's license. Yeah, one eye might be up slightly higher than the other. But he was so determined. It's the intent. If we focus the intent... You can't push it, but that quiet stillness within that person, regardless of what's going on, who says what, how it's said, if it's said, who cares what you care about? Do I want to be well or not? Now, some people are just going to roll over and say, that's it for me. Others will say, no, I want to live. But why? Because there's a purpose. And that's the thing about being a human being. There's purpose. There's meaning rather than becoming humanoid, devoid of soul and spirit. We are here to be, and then we will do. So many people are doing to be. That's the cart before the horse. When we're being, the potentiality for you, for everyone, for Doug, for every one of the viewers is there. But you've got to see it. And that's why Einstein said imagination is everything. If you don't see it. 
you imagination. Blind, you really you like cannot words. Have blind faith. You right. cannot have blind no. faith. Blind You've faith just means you don't have to do anything. That's yeah. right. That's an abrogating Ima- responsibility. Imagination comes from the root that means I create, right? Imagio. Imagio. You see it. We are made in the image and likeness of God. Now, God means many things to different people, but what it means is that we are in the form of consciousness. And once we discover that individually and even in the group, we can share this with each other. And we uphold each other with that because we see each other better off than when we first saw each other. See what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, the experience is what tells you. It's the experience. Theory is one thing, and theory is important, but complement it with practical. Because then once the practical takes place, we all know it's real. It's not virtual. It's real. And when it happens... We're using the power of imagination in a negative way primarily, because if you're always imagining, what if this bad thing happens, and this is about to go wrong and all that, we're actually putting our power into making that happen. Mm. And the, mm. and mo- people might tend to think that, oh, this is not you know nonsensical. We're just have a, a belief system, and these things just happen at random. But actually, when you change the intent, like you're saying, and start using it to imagine successful things happening, somehow outer events change. Correct. And as my friend of mine said to me, if you don't go within, you go without. And the thing huh. is, if you focus your being. You will be certain, regardless of what flack comes, what difficulties comes, you will get there because you are totally certain in being. Yeah. You, and it just is. And it transcends the physical um, 3D space-time, which is entropic anyway. Everything's breaking down in this. But in the multidimensional time-space, that's where infinite possibility resides and it's directive. And that space is consciousness when we translate that into non-locality. I think that's supposed to be a big secret right now. We're not supposed to be aware of that. Well, So that's that's a confirmation that it's important. It's important to be. And then you will see. And you'll be free. Right. That we can. Okay. So we'll go get ready for the Planetary Healing Club meeting now. But that was great. And I think anybody that is interested in following it up further and see what's behind it, why don't you give the website again one more time? And that's that's got contact information in it, right, of how to get a hold of it you. It does. It does. Yeah, it does. Microprism, right, Richard. Microprismoptics.com.au. Correct. Okay. Exciting. Thank Thanks, you, Richard. Dr. Christian. That was great. And uh, we'll talk to you shortly. Look forward to it. Okay. See you soon. Cheers now. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, everybody, that was Dr. Michael Christian, and um, I'm sure I could have done a better job at translating into common language because he gets kind of technical, but the main point of it is, um, if I understood him correctly, consciousness is the at the base of everything, and, and that doesn't tell you much because the word is not understood commonly. But he's putting it into practice to demonstrate it and showing that with a change in perception and energy field and movement and vision, that seemingly unrelated problems go away. 
So pretty important. And certainly he's had a lot of success I know of with um, eye-related problems, but now he's starting to say, and by the way, all these other things get better too. And he really got my interest when he had some experiences with people who had gotten the injection and were starting to experience really bad reactions to that, which were getting worse over time. And he was doing his movement exercises and his vision exercises and it seems to have no relation to the poison that was injected into the body but the results were amazing so what i'm going to encourage him to do is put that into a program that he can put on a dvd that any number of people can make use of and hopefully that'll be available before too long in the meantime all of us are looking for solutions with what we expect to happen which is all these people that say wait a minute i made a mistake how do i get rid of this uh toxin in my body and go back to what should be normal or better than what i was used to and there's a time limit because these things tend to progress and the number of people being subjected to this um, assault is growing as rapidly as governments can arrange it governments and health so-called health authorities so we need uh, we need um antidotes and remedies for the problems that come from that dr uh, christian is one of the people working on that there are others and we'll be having some of the really interesting ones on our our sunday show again in the near future so watch that lostartsradio.com um you can see where we're still on the air, where we're allowed to broadcast at lostartsradio.com. If you want to support us, there's a donate button there that is, keeps us on the air. And um, also subscribe to star.com slash lostartsradio. And we like your feedback to see uh, what your response is to all these things. We watch the comments and contact form emails and things like this. I feel like we're working in a time-restricted environment right now. And we need to primarily work on turning things around, not just for individuals, but for the world in general. And that's the purpose of Planetary Healing Club. So the meaning for that starts in 21 minutes. If you're interested in that, access point is at planetaryhealingclub.com. And um, other than that, share the links, help us get by the blockage for those things. Um, what else did I forget? I guess it all comes down to take care of yourself, learn as much as you can, take you know the government authorities as a good uh, reference for that because whatever they try to hide is probably something really important for you to learn and learn to use to take care of yourself because if you take care of yourself and get in better shape personally, you're of much more benefit to everybody else. So realize how important you are. You don't have the limitations that you think unless you believe it. So let's see what we can do. And I think we're carrying around inside ourselves the remedies to the whole situation. It's just a matter of connecting up to them consciously. And we'll talk about that in the club meeting as well. So see some of you there. Otherwise, I'll see you in a week. And remember tomorrow night's show, tomorrow night's guest show, and every Sunday at 6 o'clock, um, Pacific Time, U.S., 9 o'clock Eastern. And that's all the guest shows. All the archives are free, available on the platforms that we're still on. And uh, stay in touch because we just want you to be able to get through all this in really good shape and spread it to others. So thanks for being with us. And we'll see you next week. 
Have a good night. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on Big Tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. 
Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.